Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the Talking City podcast, brought to you, of course, by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy. I'm back with us today. A very happy return is Mr. Simon Bukowski. Si, how's it going? How was Germany? <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's good, thank you. Germany was very, very wet. Um, mm-hmm. I think we were accused of taking the Manchester weather over there because... Uh, it was it was properly grim. Well, I think it was, uh, you know, very nice over here. But the um, you know the city fans that were over there certainly enjoyed themselves and found a way to have have a good time despite the the weather and uh, a very very good trip for for the team and the players as well. Yeah, absolutely. It might have been rainy in Germany, but it certainly was a sunny day for City. They didn't win in the Allianz Arena, coming away with a 1-1 draw. But they, of course, won an aggregate 4-1 and advancing to the Champions League semi-finals. It was another quite pulsating match between the two teams and a bit of a different one from that first leg, which City did so well and won 3-0, of course. It was a bit more backs to the walls for City this time around. Bayern, you know, the atmosphere was incredible, actually. The game was like three minutes delayed. You know, you were there, I'm sure you're going to tell me. The game was like three minutes delayed as the referee... Sorted out his uh, microphones and whatnot, and the, the crowd, it just gave him just like um, time to just keep screaming Bayern. And it was, it, you know, it was incredible on the telly. So God knows what it was like inside the ground. And as you know, understandably, Bayern came out guns blazing. They wanted to scat, try and get back into it, and they had ample opportunity to do so. They were um, kind of eviscerating City at points, getting down them, especially down the flanks. You, we've not really seen City so almost frazzled and exposed and open than we have in that game. But they rubbed the look. They defended really well when they needed to. Um, good saves from the goalkeeper. They managed to get their way through. They, you know, even despite missing a penalty, they got that decisive goal. And in the end of the day, they've gone through it. Or two-leg performance. You couldn't ask for much more from City, even if even if it was hard and it wasn't exactly the best performance in Germany. It was a performance that you need to, to win these sort of ties and uh, to win this tournament. Yeah, and do you know what? Let's talk about the atmosphere because it it was it was so good and it was such a surprise. Um, mm. You know, I've been to a few games in Munich and never been that taken away with with the atmosphere. And um, you know, buying a such a huge club that you get, um, you know, like at Barcelona, say you get like a lot of people, tourists coming in and and getting tickets for. For games and that never makes the atmosphere amazing. Uh, we spoke to Manu Akanji before the game, uh, after the Leicester game, and and we you know put it to him like it's um, it'll, it'll be some atmosphere, and he was like, uh, not really. You know, there's a lot of places in Germany that have better atmosphere, um, and obviously he's gonna say that because he's played at Dortmund. Um, <laughs> but but you know, having been. But it, it kind of added into the feeling that like, well, at least the crowd won't be a factor. And then it's chucking it down and all the fans are walking in and like it, it just felt damp and not very high energy. And then you go inside the stadium and it was <laughs> it was incredible. And, you know, having been at both the Dortmund and the Bayern games, like obviously much more riding on the Bayern game, but but what an atmosphere in Munich. And, you know, I'm not sure if City will have been expecting that because, you know, we all certainly weren't. Um, and, you, you know, it, it can't fully influence things on the pitch. But it, it was a another sort of example of Bayern throwing absolutely mm. everything at City. Um, you know, 
from the first whistle, but even before the first whistle, like you say, with all the chanting and and everything, City was sort of you know it was like a we're not in Kansas anymore moment. Um, that they, they knew there was that they were going to be put through the ringer, and uh, it was a really really uncomfortable night for them. And the City fans were great. The City fans were great in the in the top corner um, as well. But um, yeah, Bayern. Bayern really brought everything to the mm. table and said, show us what you're made of. And, and City responded. Yeah, I mean, you can, you know, I don't think an atmosphere should have everything to do with a game, but you only need to look at United's um, second collapse in as many weeks too severe on Thursday night to see that it can have a big impact. That that um, uh, Sevilla stadium was just absolutely electric and it clearly affected United in such an intense atmosphere. And the fact City weren't as rattled as that in such a, in a similar sort of atmosphere it was really brilliant. Now this this kind of reference may go over a lot of people's heads, so I apologise. But the <laughs> the way that the game was kind of delayed and the the noise just built, it's like this crescendo. It was almost like um a really good wrestling match when the wrestlers don't need to actually do anything to get an atmosphere. They just stare at each other. They have the big the big face off, and the crowd just goes wild. It was almost like that, and you could almost see in that moment before the game kicked off, like Guardiola was already calling players over. And I, you know, we can't lip read or anything, but I imagine the message has been, you know, simmer down, just block it out, calm down, because it could. It was really intimidating, and it easily could have kind of got in their own heads as now that that delay picked up. And as we've seen with Haaland's penalty later on, a delay can can have an impact. But you know, we got into the game, and it was, it was, um, as you say, Bayern came out guns blazing. Kingsley Coleman was absolutely excellent. He he gave Nathan Ake the hardest game he's had. Oh yeah, I'd imagine, and you know, Leroy Sane had some great chances. We've not seen City as open or as exposed, as I said, and it's it was almost like we saw a bit of the downside to the Stones in midfield transition because he couldn't really do it. He, by the time he was in midfield, Bayern had already won the ball back and was running forward, and Stones couldn't then couldn't get back into the middle of defence, and City were stretched and exposed. So we did see a little bit of the downside to that and maybe that's something to consider ahead of Madrid because they're not short of pace either but you, you'd imagine most teams won't be able to do that what City did so it's not too much of a worry but that, that's how Bayern really got into in behind City and it's it's a good job for City that they didn't take their chances as Akanji said himself um, Bayern had lots of chances and they could have scored three or four if they'd have played a little bit better which is obviously admittance that City themselves didn't defend the best at least like they did in that first leg but as I say you need a bit of luck City haven't had it in recent years and maybe they've got it this time yeah I, I don't know if he's been a bit unfair on himself there Akanji because I mean City could have scored a few more and like Edison it, Bayern were, were missing a centre forward um, but you know it, it, it's a huge hypothetical to sort of say oh well if they had Erling Haaland in the team then they would have won or something like that because you can't just drop Erling Haaland into a team like but for me it was um kind of not validation but like before the game the most excitement that had come from like the Bayern reporters was about the return of Chupa Moting um and you're always thinking like you know I don't watch Chupa Moting every week so I only really <laughs> judge him from his Premier League days and I'm thinking he's not the striker surely to to strike fear into City Hearts and then, you know, by the end of the game, everyone's saying, oh, no, well, if they didn't have two promoting up front, they would have they would have done better. But, you know, that that is the um, the level that they're at. I, I thought City played very well 
Um, and like you say, I think it was the first sort of sign of Stones encountering problems with that kind of hybrid role. Um, Ake got skinned, Akanji got skinned. Um, there was room to say, you know, oh, well, Real Madrid could look at this and see how to hurt City. But on the other hand, like, Real Madrid don't have the sheer pace that both Coman and Sane possess. Um, and, you know, with Masiala and Goretzka sort of laying balls on for them, they, they were so good. And sometimes you just have to give it to the opponents, I think, and say, yeah, you were really good. Um, and Real Madrid are really good, but I'm not sure mm. that they're really good in a way that is designed to hurt mm. City as much as as Bayern were. And yet, if Bayern had had, you know, a, a Haaland or a Lewandowski up front, they would have been even more dangerous. And you'd expect Benzema to be as to be a lot more dangerous than Chupamoting is. And Vinicius um, is is so dangerous, obviously. But like I say. I'm not sure that just because Bayern caused specific problems for City that Real will cause those exact same problems and mm. automatically be better because they've got Benzema. Um, so I thought City, you know, City prepared for their opponents and part of that preparation will be mm. making sure that, uh, you know, Bayern... I, I don't think Bayern had, like, amazing chances that they missed either. You know, Sonny no. had that one that he screwed wide where um, Edison... Came out that was well. the one. Edison made a really good save in the second half, just be seconds before City scored. But that mm. wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like they were missing open goals or headers from six yards or anything. So from that point of view, I still think City defended and played well. It, was, it wasn't It was like City didn't play well at all. I don't think that's what I was trying to kind of get across. It's that they had to cope with the inevitable pressure that a team of buying minutes quality yeah, provides and, yeah. and I think Bernardo Silva summed it up really well after the match. I don't know if you've seen his comments on BT Sport, but he was saying basically we've learned from our past mistakes in the Champions League. And we used to always think we need to have the ball all the time. We always need to be in the attacking third to win. And it's like no, we don't. We don't need to do that. We, we need to accept that we're going to have to defend, and our backs are going to be against the wall. We need to accept that, not panic when it happens. Paraphrasing that bit. And, and deal with it. And that's exactly what City did. It's not like they were bad. It's that they were under the caution. They had to deal with it. On another day, they might have conceded and they'd been interested to see how they would have dealt with that. But they didn't. They got through and they, they weathered the storm. I said, you need a bit of luck every now and then. Sane should have scored. Um, how the ball, you know, that, that pivotal moment when the ball trickles across the line and 14 seconds later, Highland scores. You know, another day, that, that might trickle in and it changes. You never know. But that City just look more assured in themselves. They don't look... Even when they were getting kind of ripped up at times and Coleman and Sane were having a lot of joy in the flanks, they never really looked that panicked, did they? It was kind of like... I think we said this in the first leg. They never looked panicked or worried. You know, they were under heavy pressure and the backs were against the wall and they were struggling to get out at times. Again, had less possession in the match. But I, I'd, I'd like to see what City fans thought watching this. I'm sure there, were, there may be more panics. I'm sure Guardiola was as well. But it never felt watching that they were under immense pressure. And of course, they were freeing up, and that helps. But it, yeah, it just never felt like they were going to. It never felt like they were going to lose. I thought, and a big, a big help of that was, of course, Ruben Diaz again, who was once again immense. It's, this podcast is quickly becoming the Ruben <laughs> Diaz kind of power hour because he's just been absolutely exceptional, and he was once again blocking it off the line, leading the side. There was one moment when he got caught in the ball again, which might be a little bit worry after he did that against Leicester, but otherwise he's just been absolutely sublime, hasn't he? 
Yeah, and I mean, Nathan Ake said, um, similar to Bernardo, said, you know, maybe in the past they didn't want to defend or they didn't like it or they wanted the game to be perfect and played their way. And now, you know, since 21 when they made the, the final, um, which was the season when, when Diaz came in, um, they've just like accepted and enjoyed that defence. And, and, you know, I think that stands true for last year. I think the Madrid semi-final was a bit of a, just complete fluke um, rather than them sort of having this meltdown. But, um, you know, Diaz epitomises that uh, spirit of enjoying the the defence, uh, the defensive aspects of the game and celebrating every victory. And it was like, you know, even when they were 1-0 up on the night and like Haaland won a corner and he's absolutely screaming, he's roaring because he's won a corner. And... Um, that that was kind of the the attitude that that got them through because it I, I mean we, we've pointed out it's weird because Bayern tore them apart like no one else can but how can that still be a good performance but um, it kind of reminded me of um, the Champions League tie with Liverpool a few years ago when City were the ones kicking off three 0 down and then started with such ferocity in the second leg that they had Liverpool hanging on and you think Liverpool really needs something to, you know, stop this momentum. And in the end, they got it from a, a you know, a terrible refereeing call and, and that allowed them to stabilise and, and win the game. Whereas City never, never had that. I mean, I mean, they got a, a soft. Oh, we'll talk like, about, we'll talk about I, refereeing calls. Yeah. <laughs> but then, but then they missed it. And, you know, that only encouraged Bayern further. So City had to, do something to stop it and they did it themselves by by scoring so it, it was a really professional job and um and again I thought I thought Diaz was the outstanding defender on the night um he was you know probably the one that um yes suffered the the least out of um out of everyone partly because mm. he was in the middle and Bayern's pace was on the out wide but yeah he was just everywhere he needed to be played tremendously again mm -hmm. yeah and absolutely and another player i think we need to kind of give some praise to once again is edison i think we touched on this last week but um his he came in for a lot of slack around the january february time when city were city were floundering a bit maybe a bit of a scapegoat but maybe there was a bit of a point to some of the um kind of overreaction and i think especially on his one-on-ones he's really kind of improved and really stepped it up there in the last Four games, City have kind of faced three one-on-ones from top of my head. Anyway, Southampton won. Sulemana went through, and he did have a dodgy touch, but Edison was out at the right time to kind of get the ball away. A bit helped there, but then against Leicester and then Bayern Munich, both times, um, Madison at crucial points in the game where a goal could well have changed it out of City's favour. Um, Madison and Sane both went through, and each time Edison, instead of what he usually did, what he usually tended to do was kind of charge out of his goal and just leave it completely exposed. He was a lot, he's been a lot more patient and restrained and shown discipline. He's waited for the player to approach him, gradually kind of made the angle harder. And both times the, the player hasn't scored when you'd probably bet them to have done so. Madison hit his shot, shot straight at him and Sane hit his wide as, as Edison came out to, to make his um, save at the last moment. And I think it's just, you know, maybe the, I think, a lot of the complaints earlier this year were quite overblown, but maybe he's taken a bit to it, a bit of it to heart. Maybe Guardiola has, and he's clear. I think it's quite clear he's worked on this bit of his game, and it's you know it's already paid off twice, if not three times, for City, and it may well do again in the future. So I think he deserves uh, deserves big praise for that. Yeah, yeah, rightly so. After this tie, his uh, standing 
should be a lot higher with a lot more fans who were sort of spitting their dummies out earlier in the in the season. We we didn't have replays in the in the press box. Um, first world problems, but um, it wasn't clear from that Sane chance, especially because it happened so quickly. Like, was it a really bad miss or was Edison really good in coming out and closing the space down? And and I think yeah, I think it was more good from Edison than it was bad from Sane. I know. Sane said afterwards he should have scored, he's got to score from there. But but Edison comes out so well that it does just close down any angle Sane has of a goal. So by rolling it past Edison, he's rolled it wide because Edison's successfully kind of covered all the goal. Um, and yeah, I mean, save percentage is something he gets hammered for. So I don't put too much to that, but he's... I think I saw he's got like the highest save percentage out of any goalkeeper in the Champions League now um, this season, which again, like his role is not to make saves. He's not there first and foremost to make saves, but he, um, you know, he, he showed that he can make them when needed. And that is a side that I don't think um, we've seen enough of um, in the last few years and certainly this season. So um, yeah, he was a re- well. He was he was really crucial um, in that respect, and then he was really crucial in slowing the game down from the start. Hmm. Which I'm not sure is I'm not sure how successful a nice. it, it, <laughs> it is if you get booked in the first half um, for doing it. But you know, it, it did set out City stall that you know from the first second we are going to manage the hell mm. out of this game, um, and if you buy and keep trying to raise things, we're going to keep slowing it down. Yeah, perfectly timed cramp as well. So a great performance <laughs> all round from the goalkeeper. We'll bring part one to a close there. And we'll be back in just a moment to touch more talking points on the game and look forward to that thrilling semi-final with Real Madrid. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Talking City podcast. As I said, Sai, it was... A kind of a thrilling game. There's even though it's quite low scoring compared to the first leg, there was a lot going on, especially in that first half, which ended nil-nil. I mean, Dio up Meccano, I don't think a player has ever had a worse <laughs> Champions League tie over two legs. The poor, poor man, he was just he, uh, the one bit of luck he did have was when he did get sent off, he was Hound was reeled off for offside. But what he was doing just absolutely it was almost like a FIFA tackle when you're just bored when you're 5-0 down you just want to get the game kind of abandoned when you go down to six men it was just a, a ridiculous challenge to make he then somehow in the second half managed to give away a penalty for round ball even though the, his hands were behind his back which takes some doing as well and then um, he I don't I, maybe someone can, wants to give him a bit of a benefit of the doubt for that slip in the crucial goal but I I I think at that point it's hard to. I think it was made to slip by Hound's movement, got absolutely <laughs> bodied, and then obviously City scored. It was not a good day, even though to be fair, Guardiola did actually praise him in his post-match for saying he was breaking the lines so well. So maybe he did one thing right, but I don't yeah. think be, I don't think he'll be remembered for them contributions. And as, and as you say, it was an interesting day for Haaland as well. He was made to wait to take his penalty and absolutely skied it, and maybe there was a bit of worry that oh, it's one of those days for City, but. Not such a case. He and a brilliant, brilliant goal from City. As I say, the Edison makes a save. It rolls across the goal line. Stones hoofs it clear. Um, Haaland brings it down to De Bruyne, and then De Bruyne a beautiful pass for Haaland, who, as I said, leaves <laughs> leaves off Meccano <laughs> on the floor once again, and then absolutely just whammies it in. So what a goal! And what I say, it was quite a, quite a mad game, really. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I put it in my match report, but it definitely had vibes of um, when Messi left Boateng on the floor. Um, in that Barcelona Bayern time. Messi did a Just bit so more hapless. to Boateng, to be fair. But yeah, <laughs> it, and like Haaland a number of times this season has like completely bulldozed opponents. Um, I don't think I've any I've seen anyone more in control of kind of being bulldozed themselves than Haaland when you know he made sure Upamecano took him down um, to earn that red card that was then taken off because of offside. But yeah, he can't. He he very much had his had his number. It was almost like man against boy, despite boy being over six foot. Um, yeah, it, it it was it was end to end a lot of the time, and um, you know Bayern really attacked City, but then at times once they'd attacked, they were then happy for City to break, and City would suddenly have all this space in the middle of the park. Um, that's how they won the penalty, um, and that's how they scored scored the goal. Um, and you know Haaland, this mentality again, because he he will have been absolutely tilting to have missed that penalty. Um, and you know, missed the chance to enjoy his to... celebrations. Well, Shushing so when, he... yeah, well, exactly. Like you know, it was for him. It was for Dortmund, probably. But um, you, you know, he he just again and again. How many times have we said it during a match that he's missed a big chance or missed a penalty or something, and then he's just stepped up and scored again? And when when you do that, then nobody can be too bothered. Um, you know, Guardiola said afterwards that it was the sort of penalty that could have changed the tie but um city didn't let it and and carried on and it was Haaland who sort of made it right for them by by mm. putting that goal and absolutely blasting it past past Somo and from 5 4 yards out it was so funny <laughs> yeah. really well, it? Just like, I, I find it quite funny in. yeah yeah oh yeah it was so funny i find it quite funny with Haaland like was it I'm, it's a bit just a little bit near my time this like videotape my upbringing on football, but didn't yeah. they used to say like about Andy Cole, like he needs, he was obviously a great striker, but he needed like three chances to score one. And I do feel like it's a little bit, sometimes a kind of bit like that with Harlem. Like sometimes he can, didn't he have the one when he went through a bit and he, he kind of hit it with his left foot, he snatched it and it went straight yeah. at summer. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. sometimes, and we've seen it a few he just needs like one or two to like warm up and, which is insane. Cause he's got, what is it now? 48, is it? 40, 48, 48 yeah. I think he's on. And yeah. it's like, it's almost as if he could actually have even more if he started like all fires, yeah. all guns blazing from the off. Yeah, I mean the uh, it was one in five with Cole, which was which was totally right. unfair. And um, the the numbers will tell you that that is an an incredibly unfair take on Harlem because he he scores like loads of his shots on target. But I understand mm. completely what what you mean. I think the the shots on target that he does get must all be really promising opportunities because they're probably mm. all in the box um or something like that but yeah he does have this habit of um for for like for the best striker in the world by a country mile he has missed some absolute sitters this season it's like the first one he just it was like the header against southampton wasn't it when he had a yeah, back post yeah. it's like the tr the ones you think oh he's got this he will just miss sometimes yeah. and, it, and it, it's almost like makes it more impressive that he's so strong mentally that he can just bounce back from those and as yeah. you say just score 49 goals 48 goals in a single season probably get to 60 by the time it's all said and done yeah yeah I think uh, it, it was a really um, innocuous game and goal so I don't think anyone will remember it but it was when City played Southampton at home earlier in the season they won 4-0 but like I just remember tweeting like 
yeah, it's not going to be Haaland's day. This is finally going to be the the game he doesn't score because he'd he'd like. Uh, I remember so many chances, and then thirty seconds later he, he'd scored, and it was like, yeah, that's that's Haaland all over that really. And um, I think he was then brought off, wasn't he? Literally just yeah. after he scored, he's like, yeah, yeah. thank you, job done. <laughs> I'll see you later. I'll see you later. But you know, as, as yeah. we touched on earlier, there was there was some interesting refereeing decisions. Both penalties were debatable. Um, and the one that City conceded, which thankfully probably came too late, despite Bayern's late flurry, well, did come too late to change anything. But it was just a ridiculous decision, wasn't it? I mean, it comes off Akanji's own foot. His hand is just basically just where you put hands. And this this absolute tripe, trying so hard not to swear, <laughs> this rubbish about being in, a hand being in a natural position. If your hand is connected to your body <laughs> and isn't on the floor severed, then it is in yeah. a natural position. Otherwise, it cannot be in the position because you can't put your arm in an unnatural position because it wouldn't be natural. Yeah. It's baffling. It is baffling to me. And See, I, I, I think, I, oh, I just yeah, don't get I, it. Again, I think because we didn't have replays, it was just like, what on earth has happened here? Like, they're, they're no one appealed for it. For what? Um, and I think Akanji, because it, it came off his knee, I think, onto his yeah, hand. Like, bounced and, like, up. And from such a close distance, and you're just like, that is never... I mean, the, the Upper Meccano one... Um, More understandable, I actually. I, I sort thought. of, you know, when he gave it, I was like, I think he's given a penalty. And people were like, no, he has He, he can't have done. Um, and none of the City players were appealing. But then, yeah, I mean, when you watch it, like like you say, Upper Meccano's got like two hands behind his back. But then as the ball goes past him, decides to stick an arm out. And you're like, yeah, I think, I think that is a... That is a penalty under the current rules. I'm not sure everyone is happy with the current rules um, or thinks that, like, you know, the threshold should be that high for, like, if the ball hits your arm in the box, it's a penalty. But I think that I, I don't have too many issues with that one and especially with the way things are given. But I think the um, Akanji one was, was so, so ludicrous. I wouldn't expect that one to be given in the Premier League. Um, for instance, because it, yeah, it was just so, so weird. Like, mm. and you know, you see, like the, um, well, we've been told why, for instance, like the Harry Maguire one at Nottingham Forest wasn't a penalty, and and you think, well, if if that wasn't a penalty, then there's no way that Akanji is being being seen as as a penalty in the Premier League. Like you say, it was just sort of fortunate for City that um, uh, the. It, it didn't make too much difference. Mm. But, I mean, Tuchel came out and absolutely hammered the referee afterwards. Um, gave him, like, a grade E or an F. Um, and, and also hammered the pitch, which mm. was fair, because the pitch was really rubbish. Um, mm. Like, huge cutting up down down the centre, which is sort of, you know, the only thing out of kilter, really, with, with the tie, because it was two fantastic clubs going at each other. Um, so it, it deserved a better pitch than the game was was played on um, mm-hmm. but yeah I think you know that the refereeing decisions you just got have to sort of it, it's just potluck um, yeah. and you're like will we get a good referee or not will they choose some crazy interpretation like as I, th- I think the Premier League you, you can generally agree is like consistently below average whereas the Champions League is such a mad spectrum where you never seem to get anyone good but it's just varying degrees of how 
terrible they can be. Mm. At least they can rest assured they won't be getting Lajos in the semi-finals since it's Real Madrid. <laughs> so that's one uh, that's one kind of controversy avoided at least. Yeah, I think the handball rule, I don't really know what it is anymore. And it's just too harsh a punishment for the crime, isn't it? Yeah. An 80% chance of scoring after you, the ball flicks a hand at the uh, at the, the goal flag. line. The, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a joke, but... You know, apparently there's there's talks going on today. You wait for council and whatnot, discussing the handball rules. So we may look, we'll get a change, but I will not hold my breath. But we've got two more positives. Um, one plus player I do want to um, praise and is, is Jack Grealish. And it wasn't because he was like a live wire or setting up goals like he has done recently, but I thought he was quietly so crucial to what City were doing. You touched earlier with Edison, how he slowed the game down and um, tried to take the stinger out of it. And Grealish was doing that on the pitch. I mean, we've you know, we've waxed the rook about how he wins free kicks and it's just every time it's so inevitable. I think, um, who was it? The, you know, talking about Ian Robin and Anthony having the, the one trick of kind of cutting inside and shooting. It's like, it's a good trick, but you know, it's only one trick, but you can't stop it. So it must be good. And Grealish just has the same. All he does is get the ball and just gets fouled all the time, but no one can stop fouling him. And he was just excellent at winning that ball and ticking down the seconds. And the, the, the one especially, it was just after the penalty where Bayern were trying to get a late flurry. City were a little wobbled um, after the goal. Um, but it, And it didn't stop until Grealish went, right, my turn now. He got the ball, a quick one-two of Alvarez, and then just dribbled around the whole right side of the pitch. He nutmegged one player, just went around him for fun and eventually got hauled down just on the edge of the box, was unfortunate not to get a penalty himself. It was so close. And that, I thought that was just absolutely excellent. He was brilliant all night, as was pretty much all the, all the outfielders. But that, that bit of play is typical of his, his improvement for me and what he's bringing to the team now. Yeah, and, and there's a clip as well, that clip, where you can see Guardiola pointing to the corner flag and saying, take it to the corner. Um, and that's what he did. And the Bayern players are expecting him to take it to the corner. And then he cuts inside and gets fouled on the edge of the box because... You know that they were all expecting. Oh, I didn't know that. Else. That's um, awesome. I know he took yeah, the ball to the yeah. corner afterwards, didn't he? And just kept it there for ages. And he, there's a clip going around of him and Harlan doing it against Newcastle. I want to say that's constantly doing the rounds because it's just the best time wasting ever. And he's he's just so good at it, and it brings such a yeah. lot of composure to City in those frantic moments. But considering they had less of the ball than they normally would, um, as well, he is so good at keeping the ball, and they just knew whenever they could give it to him that he would keep it, take it higher up the pitch. Um, you know, there's this sort of idea of of Pauser that uh, David Silva has this control that he, he knows exactly the right tempo all the time that Guardiola absolutely loves that he's still kind of waiting for, for say Foden in the middle and that De Bruyne even doesn't necessarily have because he, he's more like going at 100 miles an hour all the time. Grealish, probably more than anyone in this squad, just knows when to accelerate, when to decelerate, how to ensure that City always retain the possession with the ball at their feet. And um, he showed that really, really well. And, you know, it there was kind of shades last to last year in the quarterfinal with Atletico where Grealish was obviously involved in all those um, sh- shouting with uh, Stefan Savic, etc. after after riling them up. But it... It, it was another kind of performance where it was mostly Grealish with his head down and he wasn't, he was, you know, Gundogan was getting involved in altercations, but Grealish wasn't so much, but it was just head down doing a phenomenal job, um, which has really been, been the story of his, his season, especially since the World Cup. 
Absolutely, and I say a great night for City, which has set up a semi-final date with Real Madrid. We'll touch on it more when the day finally arrives, side. But quickly, like you know, Akanji's described City as underdogs for this match, and they're a bit of a European kind of bogey tied for City. The four semi- of, of City's four semi-final defeats, two of them have come against Real Madrid, including last year's. Of course, they are the reigning European champions. They, despite the squad, the main players continuing to get older and older, they are still just the absolute juggernaut. I say maybe not having the pace of City have Bayern, but they certainly have the know-how, the the grandeur and the quality with Cruz and Benzema, as you mentioned, and Modric, uh, Vinicius uh, and defenders at the back. They're a juggernaut. They're going to take some stopping. It does feel, given an, an all Milan semi-final on the other side of the draw, it's thrilling, no doubt, but this feels like the final and the question is, have City kind of learned from them defeats and have they, have, they, have they got the tools now to deal with Madrid? Have we seen they've kind of matured in this competition with his two legs um, against Bayern? Is, is, that's what, is that what's going to get them through against Real Madrid this time? I will tell you after the second leg. Um, <laughs> no, it, you know, it's hard to say whether they've learned the lessons until they've, they've played them and they've been back in that situation again. I think it's different this year. Um, I think City are in better form. I think they're a better team um, in this form. Uh, I don't think Real Madrid are as good as they were when they played at this stage of the season. Um, I think it helps City that they're going to the Bernabeu first. So it's not like everything will be decided at the at the Bernabeu because it, it still has this aura and especially for, for City after last season there may be a few traumatic memory still um but like i mean guardiola said immediately after the game you know there is this feeling now from everyone that you you have to beat real madrid um to to win and as much as either ac or inter would be you know have have plenty of reason to worry against coming up against manchester city in the final i think ac or inter would rather face City than face Madrid in the final because Madrid just have this, like like I say, this, this aura around them. They've, they've been there and done it so many times and everything that you would say about City in the Premier League against Arsenal, you know, they've got this experience, they've been there, done it, etc, etc. You're saying for Real against City because City really haven't been there and done it. And, and I think I, I would say that this 4-1 win over Bayern is City's best result in their their Champions League history. I think that's better than than beating Real over two legs when they did it in the last 16, better than beating PSG over two legs or, you know, any result on the way to the final last year because it is still a huge deal to beat a club as big as Bayern. I, I mean, you know, you saw like Pep and the, the City hierarchy were, um, were straight to the dressing room at, at full time and then they all went out on the pitch and had a, had a, picture taken of themselves celebrating this win in in the stadium because you know it was a huge deal to come away having having won the tie so so if city can beat madrid over two legs that will be their best result mm. and and set them up for you know what they what they hope would be their first ever champions league uh final victory but mm-hmm. you know real is that big a deal um they they will feel like you know, beating Real is 
is the the big obstacle in their way. Mm-hmm. Well, when you started saying on the put then, I thought he was going to finish that sentence saying something very different, but I'm sure City fans <laughs> did enough of that for everyone, and I'm sure everyone will get involved if they get past Real Madrid. But before that semi-final, there is the small matter of the FA Cup semi-final uh, at the weekend, so we'll end the part two there. We'll be back in just a moment to look at the upcoming game with Sheffield United. Don't go anywhere. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to part three of the Talking City podcast. Uh, a big game on Saturday side, a trip to Wembley, where City will play championship high flyers Sheffield United. There's concerns with both teams. City, of course, the one dark cloud cast over Wednesday's match, other than the literal dark clouds in the sky, was that Nathan Ake came off injured with a ham- what looked like to be a hamstring strain. We've not heard from Guardiola yet, so we don't know the full extent of the injury, but Ake himself, Ake himself actually said he's quite optimistic, said it doesn't feel as bad as when I've had this before, so maybe there's some hope there, but the way he went down and immediately clutched for his hamstring doesn't, um, isn't, um, you know, fuel optimism at all. It looks likely he'll miss the weekend and probably um, the big match of Arsenal coming up, whereas the Sheffield United are, of course, without their um, loan, City loan duo of James McAtee and uh, Doyle, Tommy Doyle, there we go, got his name in the end there. Um, so, you know, City, of course, expected to win this, expected to win quite handily. De Bruyne has already said that, you know, he's only won the FA Cup once. I wanted to win it again. So it's not like there's any any shortage of uh, motivation here for City, even after the, a big Champions League night. And, you know, you, you'd imagine a quite a comfortable win. Is, is that how it'll is that how it'll play out? That is how it should play out and how it looks on paper. And, you know, with, with all respect to Sheffield United, that, you know, City are a league above them. Um, Smash yeah. Burnley for six who are above Sheffield United. Yeah, so. yeah, co- yeah, correct. Um, the only thing I would say is uh, we we tend, to, well, we, 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 we see the players every week after the game, you know, as, as they walk on the way out. I don't think I can remember a time I saw them as shattered as they were as they came past us on on uh, Wednesday night. And I, we were speaking to Nathan Ake and said, you know, is that like, how how, how tough was that? And his eyes and his, his face said everything before he then went on to say, yeah, it was the toughest game of the season. Um, to say they had a 3-0 lead, it did not feel like that at all they were they, they basically spent 90 minutes having to run after Sane and Coman which is enough to leave anyone broken to be honest um I'm tired so of the yeah. thought of it yeah exactly yeah um so I have I've not seen them as as shattered as that and that has to have an effect um and you add into that the last 30 minutes against Leicester were so bad when he'd taken everyone off that I'm not sure if players who played against Leicester have played themselves out of a start against um, Sheffield United because, you know, say you were considering Calvin Phillips starting against Sheffield United, I'm not sure you would now because he was that bad against Leicester um, who, you know, a team who are, what, three places above Sheffield United in the ladder. Um, So... Guardiola said it after after Leicester, but you know he's going to have to rotate less than he probably thought. Um, but that is a problem when the people who played against Bayern 
have been so knackered. Um, you know, they are used to playing every three days, but they're not they're not used to what we saw from them against Bayern because mm. that has never happened to them all season. So it's going to be a real kind of it's going to be minds more than legs, I think, that gets them through Saturday. Um, you know, I don't want to make out City are like underdogs against Sheffield United or anything hmm. like that, but it, it, it is just... Um, it's a turnaround. Yeah, it, it, it's more knackering. It, it looks a tougher game today than it looked mm. last Friday. Um, I think I think Guardiola himself complained that, you know, they had to play on Saturday because obviously United are in Europa League. He'd have rather played on the Sunday and have a longer rest time because yeah. haven't they made it or are they making it? So if you play on Wednesday... You don't have the early kickoff on Saturday, isn't it? So it's not the early kickoff, of course, but it's only a few, yeah, it's only four hours difference. It's not exactly that helpful. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, the the um, the the difficult thing for City or the good thing for City is that they're in so many competitions that um, you can't really um, you, you're gonna get these these tight turnarounds between games. There's no real way of um, turning round. You know they've got the first leg against Madrid on the the Tuesday, and you know that um, at the minute they're playing Sunday and Sunday, so something's going to have to um, switch for that. But um, it, it, there's no ideal solutions. You just have to go and go and go, um, and City will because it's what they do, and they've got the players to to do it. But I, I wonder if maybe Guardiola has uh, after Leicester he will have had certainly in mind um, certainly which players he wanted for, for Sheffield United but after such a draining game um, against Bayern when it, it you know consider City had scored early or scored two or Bayern hadn't been a, a, as up for it um, he would have been able to make five changes on Wednesday night and, and rest mm. some, some real key players whereas they had to go the whole the whole time you know Haaland in the end has to be taken off um, he, he was that knackered so um, there's going to be some real, real tired legs out there on Saturday. All right, well, what changes do you kind of foresee, if any? We, we imagine it'll be Laporte in for Ake, as it was in Munich, and then maybe Phil Foden come in, or is that too soon? It seems like a good game to get his fitness back up after a few weeks recovering from appendicitis. Is, could it be an opportune moment to get him back in? Yeah, I think it'll be an interesting marker for Foden, because he's kind of come back quicker than expected. Um, so, I mean, ideally you give him 60 minutes starting against Sheffield United and use that as a basis for could he start against Arsenal on Wednesday. But if he's still not quite there yet, um, you're probably looking at, say, 30 minutes off the bench and then maybe a, a similar thing against Arsenal. Um, you would expect Laporte to come in and Walker to come in, but as you say, Kazake's almost certainly missing the game. Laporte will be at left backs. So he still needs to play two centre backs. Um, yeah, Walker probably starts. Uh, Mares, you would think, will come in, um, and I'd, I'd be tempted to start Alvarez and leave Haaland on the bench. Ooh. Uh, what with Arsenal coming on mm. on, on Wednesday. Um, you know, there's an argument that Haaland makes such a difference in the small time he's on the pitch that he could play the first half and um, still do it. But I think, you know, Alvarez has has done well enough and wasn't one of the bigger culprits on on Saturday against Leicester. So he maybe um, could earn, earn a start over 
over Haaland and keep Haaland mm. wrapped up for, for Wednesday. It's, of course, a massive game for City as the treble, as we've touched on, is still a real possibility. And, you know, is it is it something City can do? I know you've had a little chat with Rodri this week, um, uh, head of, uh, well, quite a big charge. So there's loads of topics discussed. Great interview. Go and read it. But um, we give them a little sneak preview to our dear listeners. Like, what, what's the view in kind of the, the City camp about winning this treble, which would, of course, be historic, to say the least? Yeah, well, you know, they're certainly not hiding from it. And, and Rodri put it very well in terms of, you know, to win all these competitions makes you a great team. And, you know, the, there's an argument in Liverpool that Liverpool are a, this Liverpool team under Klopp is a better team than the City team under Guardiola, that because they've won everything, they've won the Champions League. Um, and, you know, many would not subscribe to that theory, but, you know, you can't argue that, that Liverpool, that that Champions League does make, a difference in how, how Liverpool is viewed. Um, but, you know, Rodri makes the point that winning them all makes you great, but winning them all in one season, that is is what really sets you apart and puts your name in history. And, you know, the United team from 99 are, are so revered still because no one else has been able to do it. It's really, really difficult to do. Um, and... Uh, I'm tempted to say it's never looked more on for City. Um, it, that might be a bit of recency bias, bias, but you know they've th this shot in the FA Cup semi-final has usually been where they've where they've fallen down um, in the past a lot, and you would be very surprised if they go out to Sheffield United. I think then it will just be about kind of containing expectations because I think because City have played Bayern and they've got Sheffield United. In, in those competitions, you're like, oh, they're, you know, they're a lot closer to the final, but but there is still eight Premier League games to go um, on top of that, you know, huge knockout tie with Real Madrid. So, um, you know, Arsenal coming up makes it, if they lose to Arsenal on Wednesday night, then suddenly the Premier League will look a lot further away. So, and, and even if they do beat Arsenal, they're likely to be behind Arsenal until kind of the final week just because of games in hand. So it, it's it's still incredibly difficult and there are still loads of pitfalls that mean it won't um, it won't happen. But the fact that it can still happen is an amazing achievement. Mm -hmm. And the way this City team is playing, you'll be silly to rule it out. Absolutely, because it's certainly exciting times for City. But for now, dear listeners, that is the end of the latest episode of the Talking City podcast. Thank you all very much for listening. And if you want to watch this in living colour, of course, you can go over to our brand new YouTube channel, the Manchester Evening News dash Manchester City. You're, you're subscribing in droves, so please head on over, click that subscribe button, get us over to that, thousand, that magic 1,000 mark, and we'd be very appreciative of that. And of course, in the meantime, before the next episode, of the Talk is City podcast. You know where to go to keep up with all the latest City news, expert analysis and match coverage from Wembley on Saturday. It is manchestereveningnews.co.uk forward slash Manchester City. You can get us on Twitter at Man City MEN and Facebook Manchester Evening News dash Manchester City. We'll be back early on next week to talk about the FA Cup semi-final. And of course, that is finally, it's finally here. That massive blockbuster potentially title deciding clash with Arsenal. We all can't wait and we'll be here next week to talk about it. But until then, thank you for listening. Ta-ra!